Greetings and welcome to the latest edition of the AMSSM Sports Medcast, produced in collaboration with the BJSM. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy Schroeder, and I'm so excited to be joined today by Dr. Monica Verduzco Gutierrez, who serves as professor and chair of the Department of Rehabilitation Medicine in the Long School of Medicine at UT Health San Antonio. She is a featured speaker for the upcoming AMSSM annual meeting, where she'll be speaking on post-COVID syndrome in athletes. Monica, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Very honored to be here. Excellent. So first off, how do you define post-COVID syndrome? And is it synonymous with what we hear with this long COVID or long haulers or other similar names? For sure. I think it's a grab bag of terms that have been coming out. You know, some came come out with the CDC first called it post-COVID conditions, and they described it as, you know, all these range of either new symptoms, returning symptoms, or ongoing health problems when someone had COVID-19 that were lasting or starting four four more weeks later. And then the NIH was the one who came out with a post-acute sequela of SARS-CoV-2 or what's called PASC. Long COVID and long haulers is something that was at the beginning, but all following, falling under the, you had COVID or presume COVID. That's one nice thing about the World Health Organization definition is because at the beginning, there were so many people that didn't get access to tests and didn't have positive tests. And so, you know, that there, it was presumed they had COVID or you had documented COVID and then you have symptoms that develop and that last for a longer period of time beyond, you know, your test is negative, but you still have symptoms. And I think one important thing about the World Health Organization definition is that these symptoms can start up to three months later after you've had COVID as well and last about two months. Then the last thing I said, sorry, I have a lot of things to say, you'll see as we go through this, is that long hauler, that's a term that actually patients who were suffering with you know, effects of COVID-19 came up with for themselves. So sometimes I don't always use that, just um, some patients prefer that term, others do not. Great, thank you. Now, uh, looking at your bio and your history, your area of clinical expertise is really in the care of patients with traumatic brain injury, stroke rehabilitation, spasticity management. However, during this pandemic, you've developed a post-COVID recovery clinic that is aiding in the rehabilitative recovery of patients with functional mobility, cognitive deficits after this uh, SARS-CoV-2 infection. How did that come about? So two ways. First, I have to say that actually the field of physical medicine and rehabilitation also came out of some came out of a pandemic, which was the polio pandemic. And so, you know, back when polio was the big pandemic on the block, there was people with a lot of new disabilities, and because of that, that you had to have these hospitals to take care of patients who were on iron lungs and who needed new braces and everything. And there was, you know, now this new field of physiatrists to take care of those patients. So first, you know, we are good in pandemics. Second. I also feel that because like you said, I'm a brain injury specialist and a lot of sports med docs also take care of concussion patients and post-concussive syndrome patients. If you look at kind of the phenotype of what those patients have and their symptoms, it very much can align with what patients with long COVID have. Dizziness, loss of smell, brain fog, 
um, not being able to do the exercise and physical activity that they did before, difficulty with concentration. So a lot of being able to work with a multidisciplinary team to take care of patients with cognitive and physical effects of some type of brain injury. I feel very much, and data is showing now more and more, that long COVID is very much like a brain injury. Wow. You know, we've come to learn so much of and growth through this pandemic. We've been, been through so much the past couple of years dealing with this and, and out of the unfortunate circumstances that many of us have fallen in, there's been some great contributions to the literature that have come from the ranks of sports, exercise and rehabilitation medicine. Uh, we've had some excellent data come out of how physical activity reduces the risk of hospitalization for COVID-19, uh, surveillance on transmission of coronavirus during uh, competition, the risk of cardiomyopathy in athletes uh, with COVID-19, and the graduate return to play following infection. Now, you are among the authors who publish consensus guidance statements on the assessment and treatment of fatigue, as well as cognitive symptoms in PASC. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, so first, we call them consensus guidance statements, because they're not yet full guidelines because we're still learning about this and things change every day. So there is kind of, we use a Delphi panel approach and get a lot of experts who are now treating these patients, multidisciplinary experts kind of come together and say, what are we doing? What are the assessments? So these papers that come out in the PM&R journal, we are looking at, in this case, you know, in the first one that we did was fatigue. And we come out with, here are our assessment recommendations that come from these 30 plus clinics that are all taking care of long COVID patients. And these are you know, things that people should do for recommendations. These are some of the examinations that should be done. These are some of the workups that should be done. This is some of the referrals. And then we also, especially in the fatigue one, wanna make sure that we bring attention to myalgic encephalomyelitis, chronic fatigue syndrome, because if patients have that phenotype, have that type of fatigue that is much more debilitating than just, oh, I'm kind of tired at the end of the day, then we have to make sure that we are diagnosing those and treating those correctly. Thank you. So what is your general approach that you have seen with your patients that are potentially having this post-COVID syndrome? So when I see these patients, a lot of them have maybe been to other specialists first by the time they get around into my clinic. You know, first it's evaluating what they've had before, but I have a very systematic way of a system checklist where you know we go through several symptoms that patients might have, kind of figure out what may be the worst for them. Definitely when we're talking about fatigue, I will put it on a type of Likert scale, visual analog scale, give me a zero to 10, zero is you're fine, 10 is you can't get out of bed. And then also we'll screen for post-exertional malaise. And that's something that a lot of physicians don't think about or you don't do usual in your screening, which is when a patient, when someone does an activity, they may feel like they're okay doing it, but within the next 24 to 48 hours, that's when the true fatigue and malaise occurs. So it may be that they feel okay 
going on a two mile walk, but then they're bedridden for the next two days. And so you really have to screen for post-exertional malaise because the treatments for those patients are different than it would be for someone who's just kind of has a little bit of generalized fatigue and, and in patients who have that picture of more myalgic encephalomyelitis like syndrome, which also is in our paper. And we discuss, you know, these, this is what you have. You have that impairment in your activities because of the fatigue, the post-exertional malaise and the unrefreshing sleep along with cognitive and ortho and or orthostatic intolerance, then those patients actually need pacing and they need energy conservation treatments and they do not do well with our with traditional exercise therapy that we want to give everyone they don't at all it's like don't give them exercise give them pacing themselves and so you know it's definitely finding those different phenotypes of patients and then treating them symptomatically a lot of another thing that's being missed a lot is autonomic dysfunction meaning POTS and inappropriate sinus tachycardia and that is going to be missed on traditional tests if someone has an EKG and they're sitting they'll have a normal EKG if someone has an echo their echo could be normal if someone has an exercise test their exercise test may be normal as well but they still may have POTS, the postural orthostatic tachycardic syndrome, which can be diagnosed with a 10 minute stand test. It's a free test. You know, we don't need fancy tests. If it's, you know, a borderline, then maybe yes, a patient might need a tilt study or a tilt table test, but then you could really do a lot of benefit for treating someone for their POTS. And so again, it's just really listening to the patient, figuring out what's going on and then trying to help. And maybe we don't have all the answers. We know that this is very like inflammatory mediated and we don't have a magic pill to take infl inflammation out of our bodies, but um, we can at least treat the different types of symptoms and presentations patients have. Wow, that's so fascinating. I mean, we're always learning as we go and it's so fantastic to hear all the great work that you are doing with your team in San Antonio. In your experience, Monica, have you seen any differences in the rates or severity on post-COVID syndrome in athletes compared to other populations? All right. So great question. I think you touched on it at the beginning. First, we know physical activity is really important for prevention and for better outcomes for people who have COVID. And then there are studies that show that people who are well you know, great athletes, they have, they can get long COVID, but the numbers are a lot smaller and we don't know why, but I probably the majority of patients I will see in my clinic is someone in their forties and women more than men. And who knows, some of that may be related to the autoimmunity and the autoantibodies where women usually get more autoimmune diseases at that point of their life. So it's maybe related to why we're seeing these patients with long COVID, but I have patients who are, you know, weekend warriors or running marathons or running half marathons. And now they have these new symptoms of long COVID and they have exercise intolerance and they can't get back to exercising they were before. You know, friends sending me DMs since I'm an athlete myself and saying, you know, I, can't, I was training for an Ironman. I can't even work out for 45 minutes anymore. And so I'm seeing it in athletes and it's not every one of my patients. So it's a possibility for sure. And probably a paper that came out recently where they were looking at 
persistent, you know, cardiopulmonary symptoms in um, after COVID in athletes. And this was in NCAA athletes who are well, who are probably the most amazing shape of anyone in the country, right? And are in this young 18 to 22 age group and who are getting wonderful, you know, testing, screening, everything. And so it was an observational study and it was about 3,500 um, athletes from college universities and probably the um, persistent symptoms were in a little over 1%, which isn't a big number, but if you're part of that 1%, then you're, you could lose your scholarship. I mean, you could be devastated from, you know, continuing to play, but also whenever I see college students and young people, is that also the cognitive effects of this as well? So you're talking about someone who was making A's and now they make B's because of the cognitive effects that they have from long COVID, then that can change the trajectory of what kind of job they get or if they could go to medical school or if they're gonna you know, go to grad school, whatever it might be. So again, the number is smaller in those really young, healthy athletes, but still you may see it in your weekend warriors those are most of the athletes people see as, you know, awesome as it is to be, you know, see the most elite athletes. Most people you see are run of the mill weekend warriors and those people are at risk of getting it. Yes, that's absolutely the population that we love to take care of as well. Not just the elite athletes, but the everyday recreational athlete, the master athletes, everybody uh, combined. Um, Thank you, the master athletes. I like that. <laughs> So lastly, I noticed that you are quite the prolific writer. I PubMed search on Dr. Monica Verduzco Gutierrez had over 70 hits. So I always love to ask, as somebody well-established in academic medicine and publishing, what words of guidance could you have to aspiring writers or researchers in uh, sports, exercise, rehabilitation, medicine? I would say build a good team. So, you know, I've worked on working as a mentor to some people, sponsoring some people. And then, you know, I feel like goodness comes around. So I've worked with them, built them up on some topics of interest with them. And then when they start building their own projects, they bring me and make me involved in those. So one of those is, you know, finding a, a good team because when then they start developing themselves, they will bring you back in. And the other thing is, you know, don't give up, kind of keep that idea fresh, keep that, keep going for it. And, you know, there's always a journal to find a place to put something in. Yeah, you need a good team. Teamwork, that's what sportsmen's about, right? Absolutely. Oh my goodness. I think we have been completely, greatly edified today. If anybody were to be on the fence about attending this AMSSM annual meeting. This should be a defining reason why you should come and join us in Austin, Texas. Again, April 8th to 13th. For those unable to attend in person, the meeting will also be held and delivered in a virtual format. So for more information on that, please visit www.amssm.org conferences. Dr. Monica Verduzco Gutierrez, thank you so very much for sharing some of your valuable time with us today. I really look forward to hearing more from you on the morning of Wednesday, April 13th, we'll be a featured speaker at the annual meeting. Yeah, happy to be there. 
bring your coffee, ready, get ready for some really cool new information that's going to, you know, it's the future of medicine. Excellent. And also a thank you to the listener for joining us today. We hope you've found this time valuable and that you'll join us again very soon for the next episode of the AMSSM Sports Medcast. The views expressed are those of the speakers and do not represent the official policy or position of the AMSSM, AAPMNR, UT Health San Antonio, or the Department of Defense.